Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we look at Washington State, the second largest wine producing state in the USA after California. And like neighbouring Oregon, its history is very modern. Vines do go back to the 19th century, but these have very little significance whatsoever. After Prohibition, the regulations for wine in Washington were rather strange, and any any wine could be up to 18% alcohol, so most of the wine was fortified and sweet, and not particularly good quality. But it gradually began to change in the late 60s and early 1970s, when a very, very small amount of producers focused on quality wine. Now, one of these producers was the forerunner of Chateau Saint-Michel, which is by far the largest producer in Washington state, owning over a third of all the land in Washington and and accounting for 75% of production with all the wineries that it owns. But they they got going in the the late 60s and have undergone several name changes before settling on Chateau Saint-Michel. Also in the early 70s, there was a a vineyard established called Red Willow, and this was established by a farming family who owned lots of land in Washington, and they were convinced to, or they were persuaded to plant grape varieties just to see what would happen. And this is still now, 45 years later, one of the highest quality vineyards in Washington and where the best producers get their grapes from. But those were just the early, slow beginnings. But by the late 1980s, there were enough wineries for Washington State to say, hey, we have a wine industry here. Not very many, but enough. But they asked themselves, so how do we get the attention of the rest of the USA and get people drinking wines from Washington? Because California was where people, was the only place people were looking towards for wine. So in 1991, the Washington Wine Commission decided that they would have a state grape variety as a way of promoting the wines to the rest of the US. They thought about using Cabernet Sauvignon as the variety, but California already had that, and Napa Valley in particular was so famous for it that Washington realised they could not compete uh, commercially. And so they settled upon Merlot. And Merlot at that time was very little planted in in the US or in California, and not really known by consumers. At the same time, however, it's the most planted grape variety in France, so it has a cachet. And Washington State produces is capable of producing exceptional Merlot. So in July 1991, they announced that Merlot was the great variety of Washington State, and that's what they would put their all their forces behind. Coincidentally, in November of 1991, the TV show 60 Minutes ran a documentary called The French Paradox. And the, this French Paradox was a direct reaction to kind of the neo-prohibitionist health movement that really said, Drinking any alcohol is bad for you, you should not do it, which is a movement which still exists today. And so this documentary is a direct reaction to that, asking why is it that the French drink so much wine and yet live so long and have such healthy lives? And that answer was because they drink red wine, and red wine has health healthy properties. And this is a contentious argument which is still discussed today. Certainly drinking red wine in moderation is not going to do you any harm, whether it actually healthy benefits is a is a moot point. Nevertheless, this documentary was aired and it became extremely popular. And because Merlot was the most planted grape variety in France and the most drunk wine, people wanted to drink Merlot. And Washington State said, hey, look, that's our state grape variety. You should drink our wine. And Washington went through a very rapid boom with people drinking the Merlot from Washington. And that really put Washington on the map. 
The flip side to that was that if you're drinking red wine solely for its healthy properties, you're not going to be drinking expensive wine. You want the inexpensive stuff, just as you would with medicine. And so a lot of the Merlot being, being produced in Washington was inexpensive and not particularly good quality, even though, and this is of course the case with Merlot anywhere, it can be some of the greatest wine in the world, and some of the Merlot in Washington is absolutely superb. But if you're just producing inexpensive wine, of course it's going to be low quality. And so Merlot began to get a bad rap, and that of course culminated in the Sideways movie in 2004, where Miles refuses to drink Merlot, and that kind of encapsulated people's opinions of Merlot, and Merlot's gone through a difficult time, even though in that film he criticises Cabernet Sauvignon as well, and Cabernet Sauvignon has not suffered. So unfortunately Merlot is not just, is just not fashionable. So Washington kind of had to change its tune a little bit and stop promoting itself as the Merlot state, and it's lost a little bit of focus because pretty much any grape variety does well in Washington. And there are lots of good wines made from lots of different varieties, and it's usually pretty good value as well. So although losing that focus means it's difficult to promote Washington wine, it's still a fast-growing industry and a good alternative to California, because this, the style of wine in, in Washington can be turned as a cross between France and California, having the structure and acidity of French wines, but also the fruitiness of California. So what is the climate like in Washington? Well, a lot of people think of Washington as being cool and wet because of Seattle, but it's a bit more varied than that. On the Pacific coast, there's a mountain range called the Olympia Mountains, where the rain from the, the ocean is really dumped on these mountains, extremely wet. And then that rain continues to fall into Seattle. In Seattle, there is an AVA called Puget Sound, and this accounts for 1% of all wine made in Washington state, because it's cool and wet here, and most of those vines are going to be non-vinifera varieties, because it's tough. But quite a lot of wineries are based around Seattle for convenience, and also um, because of the Seattle locals can go wine tasting. And a lot of these wineries are located in a place called Woodenville, just outside of Seattle. Once you get past Seattle, you get to the Cascade Mountains, and this is a mountain range that goes all the way through Washington, through Oregon, and into California. And it still has active volcanoes within um, that range in all those three states. On the other side of the Cascade Mountains, there's very little rain. What rain is left from the Olympia Mountains in Seattle falls on the Cascade Mountains, and then you get into eastern Washington, which is extremely dry, arid, and desert-like. And so very little rain is falling. And so the growing conditions are continental, very cold, harsh winters. Winter freeze can be an issue, but then warm, dry summers, and it can get extremely hot in eastern Washington. So that means ripening isn't really an issue, but you do have cooler nights as well, just to slow things down. The soils here are very sandy, it is desert-like, and that means there is no phylloxera. And in fact, because it's so warm and dry and sandy, disease is um, not much of an issue. And so most of the vines are ungrafted, which gives uh, Washington something of a unique selling point in that regard. Altitude can be important within Washington, because it is so warm. Um, higher elevation will produce um, more balanced, more structured wines with a slower ripening season. The wine-growing region of eastern Washington is covered by Columbia Valley AVM. This was created in the 1980s. And this covers 99% of all wine made in Washington and goes into Oregon and also Idaho. And this is a pretty clever invention because it's an AVA and so it gives it that regional identity, but it also means producers can put Columbia Valley on their label regardless of where the wine comes from in effect, which allows for regional blending, rather like in Australia, allows um, 
wisely made from less established regions, which can mean good value as well. But within Columbia Valley are several more specific AVAs. The most westerly is Yakima Valley, which is the closest to the Cascade Mountains, so it is a little wetter and a little cooler, and that's where Red Willow Vineyard is located that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. And then going further inland, you have Red Mountain AVA, which is neither a mountain nor red, but produces extremely good wines. And that's really the focus on some of the highest quality wines, particularly from Cabernet Sauvignon, though Merlot produced there is exceptional too. There's also Horse Heaven Hills AVA, which is a vast AVA covering several hundred thousand hectares. And within Horse Heaven Hills AVA is Shampoo Vineyard, which again is one of the most highly regarded vineyards in um, Washington State, producing exceptional Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot as well. Along the river which divides Washington and Oregon, the Columbia River, is Columbia Gorge, which I briefly mentioned in the Oregon podcast, which covers both sides and is higher elevation and cooler and wetter and produces some very good uh, white wine with high acidity, very refreshing and quite tight as well. And then much further inland is Walla Walla, which produces an extremely good syrup, and it's arguably the most famous AVA within Washington. And that goes into Oregon, the Rocks District, as I also mentioned in the Oregon podcast with exceptional syrup. But the irony there is that perhaps the most expensive and highly regarded winery in Washington is um, Cayuse, and, um, owned and made by a Frenchman who refuses to um, have his wines associated with the Rocks District. He sees it as too limiting and kind of pointless, which is a bit of a dampener for the people who created the Rocks District AVA. But those, but general, those wines are extremely good, full-bodied, ripe Syrah. Another AVA is the Seven Hills, which is quite literally named. There are seven hills. Again, producing really good red wine. So the, perhaps the best wine in Washington is red. Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot and Syrah. Again, as I mentioned, kind of um, a cross between the wines of France and California. But in actual fact, the most planted grape varieties are white, Chardonnay and Riesling. And Riesling is the grape variety that Washington State initially focused on in the 1970s, and it's continued to be the signature white grape variety of Washington. And Chateau Saint-Michel do have a joint project with Dr. Lozen of the Mosul, making Riesling, the famous one is called Eroica. And so Dr. Lozen was impressed with the Rieslings of Washington and wanted to get in on the act. And the Rieslings of Washington all have high acidity, can be made in a range of styles from dry to sweet, the best Rieslings certainly come from higher elevation, maintaining the acidity, lengthening the growing season, and stopping the wines becoming too ripe. I think they lack the, the structure of the best German Rieslings or the best Australian Rieslings, but they're certainly of good quality and very drinkable. Chardonnay reflects the trends of Chardonnay in California and in Australia. In the 90s and 2000s, it's made in a very full-blown, oaky style but now producers are looking for cooler sites, particularly at higher elevation, to produce more balanced Chardonnays, which have higher acidity, not quite as fruit forward, and more judicious use of malolactic fermentation, and also of oak. The other white grape varieties planted in Washington, well, they include pretty much everything. I've had good Gruneveltina, good Gewürztraminer. There's, as I said, Washington can lack a little bit of focus, but that also makes it quite exciting. Perhaps the most interesting white grape varieties are Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc, either on their own or in the white Bordeaux blends. Unfortunately, Semillon is not fashionable anywhere in the world right now, which is a shame because it produces such exceptional wines. And certainly the Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc blends produced in Washington are really good quality with 
fresh acidity, but really body and weight to them, and that kind of waxy texture associated with Semillon. Something worth looking out for if you can find it. Um, not as many producers produce it as one would like. So that's Washington's state. It's very, very vibrant, interesting, dynamic, ever-changing. It's not settled yet, still trying to figure out what it does best and how, and also how to market it. I think the future probably lies in Syrah, especially as California does not really specialise in that great variety. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.